You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Let's jump into our biblical worldview question of the week. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the bread of life? Right. Can I just make a comment before we get into this thing? Well, sure. You're talking about Harvard Mm -hmm. and about genocide. And I can't tell you how fitting this, this question is. For people that are just boiling on the inside, the the depths of evil in this country, you know, of, of humans that are capable of even saying such a thing. You know, I, I'm thinking of Genesis 12, you know, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people of the, of the earth will be blessed through you. This kind of thing. You don't play with fire, God's fire. And I'm telling you, there is literal hell to pay for that. And it just, it, it just makes me, uh, we should all be incensed uh, with, with what's going on. And you're right, it is Satan, for sure, getting his way uh, with people. But boy, I'm telling you. Uh, that's scary ground, and it and it fits so with what we're talking about. This idea of the bread of life, because historically, this is so important that that God, you know, as He went into Europe, and Moses let He led Moses as their leader. He led them out of Egypt, where they had been in slavery for four hundred years, and you'd think they'd be grateful, but they weren't. And, uh, you know, they were ungrateful, they were disobedient, they were cranky, and uh, uh, their, their punishment for their behavior after God led them out, you know, parted the seas for them, this and that and the other, they wandered for 40 years in the desert. That was God saying, you're not going to enter the promised land because of your sin, the next generation will. And... Um, but during that time of disobedience, uh, God provided food for them every single day in the way of, of meat, the quail, and then manna. And this comes from Exodus 16. And they were still grumbling. He provided every single day. And that's the faithfulness and the love of God for, for his people, even though they were misbehaving. And I, I love this here in Exodus 16, when the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Can you just uh, picture this thing? The people will go out daily and they'll gather enough for that day. And I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. So he was blessing them, but also testing them here. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. That is to be twice as much as they gather the other days. So Moses and Aaron and all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we 
that you should grumble against us, Moses also said. You will know it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And this is the thing. He's so faithful in their grumbling and among each other. And, and the idea is you're grumbling against, against your Lord. Psalm 78, 24, he rained down manna for the people to eat and gave them grain of heaven. And that's just a little clue as to what the bigger picture was of all this, you, you know, and, and the idea, what does manna mean? And it means, what is it? What is it? It's kind of like my kids used to ask me when I served dinner, what is it? You know, and it was small, round, and white. It was flaky. And it was a gift from God that came every single morning. And uh, we just, just, I can't even imagine what that would be like because the manna sustained them for a whole day. It didn't save them from their sins, nor did it keep them from death. But it sustained them. But what manna was, though, that's so cool, it was a foreshadowing of the bread of life who came from heaven. And that, of course, is Jesus. Let me ask you here, Nancy, because when we think of what Jesus has declared to us, saying that he is the bread of life, well, then how does we connect the dots to that to show that manna foreshadowed his coming as that bread of life, right? I mean, God provided for the Israelites. God has provided for us. Yes. And he used bread. I mean, he used bread as metaphor. He used it literally. He, uh, Jesus, Jesus used it because it was, it meant something way beyond what we think of it today. You know, when Jesus started his ministry, he started speaking to people and doing ministry. He started, you know, when he was, when he was 30. And he used bread to show his followers that he was the Son of God, the long-awaited Savior. And this is this is such a beautiful, it's like a symphony, uh, studying how the Old Testament just fits so beautifully into the New as, as we, we follow this for a moment. So Jesus looked up, and he saw a great crowd coming toward them. And he said to Philip, Where should we buy the bread for all these people to eat? He asked uh, this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he would do. And Philip answered, you know, like, Lord, it'd take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves of bread and two fish. But how far will it go among many? Jesus asked. Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, and Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed those seated as much as they wanted. 
He did the same with the fish. And they all had enough to eat. And he said to the to the disciples, gathered the pieces that are left over, nothing to be wasted. So they gathered and filled 12 baskets of pieces of barley loaf left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Jesus, knowing they had intended to come make him king by force, withdrew by the mountain. And this is John 6. So here we have John or Christ essentially saying, I am the prophet. I am the Lord. I am the Savior that you've been waiting for is essentially what this whole idea of the bread was all about. And the Jews should have been making some connections from their history with this. You know, on the next day, the crowds found Jesus and began to question him. This is so interesting. And they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? And God answers them. The work of God is this, to believe in the one uh, he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give us that we might see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So here we see, again, this beautiful story. And and again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who's been giving you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Oh my goodness. They began to understand that when God, when Jesus was talking about bread, he was talking about something quite different. And then he just verified that by saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me must never be thirsty. But as I told you, and you have seen me and you still do not believe, All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I shall lose none of all those he has given me. And I shall raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. You know, all these I am, I am, I am, these clarified, these were clarifiers for God. You know, when when God sent Moses, it it was the idea, just tell him, tell him I am meaning I am eternal. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus was saying here. I the I am God who brings eternal life who all for, believe. So all of a sudden, it wasn't just to sustain for a moment. God says, look, this is eternal life we're talking about here. You know, stories like this, I, I wish sometimes <laughs> I could have been standing there to hear him explaining these things to the, the people himself. But I'm not sure if I would have understood even any more quickly, but still. Um, 
the manna, Nancy, uh, that it yes. foreshadowed the coming of Christ was important, but talk about why it was even more important that he distinguished himself from it. Yes, and this is just, oh, to get this, I mean, it's just so amazing. When Jesus called himself the bread of life, he was not claiming to be the bread that fell from the sky for the Jews to eat. He was claiming much greater. Manna was to sustain the Jews for a day. And Jesus offers eternal life to the whole world when they believe. You see, when God gave the manna, it was a gift. It was simply a gift, a daily gift. When God gave his son, he gave himself. When God gave us his son, he gave himself at a great cost, I might add. And when we receive the son as our savior, we become his child. Not for a day, not for a moment, but forever with him on this earth. And then when we die, to heaven. So when we're talking about the gift of God, the manna was temporary, it was for a day. And it went on as long as they were in kept, you know, they were being kept from the promised land for 40 years every day. But this is for eternity. And I love this in Romans 8, for you have not received a spirit of slavery. There it is, going back to, to the Jewish captivity under, under Egypt. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Adoption is an interesting word. It's forever. You cannot unadopt someone. There's no legal way to do that. Mm. Adoption is forever. Yeah. It's so amazing to me, God's grace. But it's again, it's like a symphony. I mean, seeing the blending uh, in the consistency of God way back when he was, you know, sending the manna, and then he sends his son. Oh, my goodness. Uh, at what cost? What did that cost God? It was immense. And it just makes me stop and think. Um, the, the love that God not only has for the Jewish people will continue, that we are grafted into that as believers, my friends. We are grafted in, you know, with the promise to Abram, we are grafted into all that. And so uh, it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story of God's faithfulness and that he will see it through to the end. Well, and I'm so grateful that we do have that bread of life in our yeah. lives. And for those who do not know him, this is what you need to understand is that Christ died for you. He became that bread of life. And as Nancy right. just said, that it symbolizes what God did for the Israelites. And that shows God's faithfulness mm -hmm. in our lives, Nancy. That is just so important. And he will not turn us away when we go before him and ask nope. Christ into our life. No. And you know, you're talking about Satan being alive and well. I think one of the biggest lies he whispers into 
the the tries to and into the the hearts of of uh, believers, especially new believers and those that don't spend much time in the Word, is that you know what? Uh, because of this and that and the other, God no no longer loves you. You're really not his his child anymore because of X Y and Z. And and that just that that's the lie. That's the lie mm-hmm. from Satan. And that you don't matter, you know, your life doesn't matter. Well, every breath you take matters to God, yeah. and he loves you no matter what. If he mm-hmm. can love the Jews in their naughtiness, you know, all the time, it's always like grumbling and this and that, and the other gave him a gift, and they grumble. But are we like that? And that's a big wake-up call to us is are we the grumblers? Are we the ones that forget that every good and beautiful gift comes from God? We're just like that. We are. Exactly. This has been so good today. I mean, it is every week, but how could it not be if it comes straight out of God's Word? It's it's all His promises. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just so comforting, I think. It's Mm -hmm. just so comforting that He doesn't doesn't turn His back on us, uh, you know, when we have a bad day. And and I mean mean that. He's not turning His back on us. On the Christians, uh, you know, that live in this country and those that are about to become his children by, uh, hopefully by Christians doing what God's called us to do, to live out in love and be sharing the gospel. We can't be overwhelmed with the evil that we see in this. It should, in this world. I mean, like what we're, what you all were talking about this morning. I mean, we just have to see that this is screaming to us, go into all the world and teach them. This world needs Christ, you know, to, mm-hmm. to fight, the good fight. But, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. And we do have bad days. I wonder sometimes, you know, do we ever give God a bad day? Not, not that he yeah. can't handle our bad days, but, you know, we are, we are a people that just make messes left and right. Folly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I think, I think he can, I, I, I think he must be shaking his head and, uh, a lot and, and just going, are you kidding me? Yeah. You could know? have had a V8. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Made them instead. Exactly. That's oh, how we know God is not, we do not have the mind of God because honestly, I'm reading this, reading through the Old Testament, some of these places this weekend. Just like, why didn't you just squash us, Lord? Why didn't you just squash us? You know, you were so faithful and were so unfaithful as a people. And, uh, yeah, so just hang in there, Christians. Keep fighting the fight uh, and encouraging one another, encouraging Christians to don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Come on. We've got work to do. Come on. And, uh Get going and do what God's called us to do. Get out there and love people well. Uh, be willing to share the gospel. Yeah. He could have squashed us, but he didn't. He must love us. Yeah. Hey, we want to get you connected <laughs> with uh, Nancy Fitzgerald and her ministry, Anchors Away. Check out the website, anchorsaway.org, for more information and to listen to past biblical worldview questions of the week discussions and um, maybe get invo- involved, le- become certified to teach the biblical worldview curriculum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Learn more about it there. And uh, you can also click on the resources tab, by the way, at kellyandsteve.org to hear today's conversation again. 
again, if you'd like to do that, just give us a little bit of time. Eric's going to cut this up for us and get it posted online as well. Nancy, as always, appreciate the work you put into this and uh, for giving us a refresher course every week and helping us to stand firm in our faith. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I just think God's so good in, in the way he's speaking through you guys. Thanks for alerting us to, to what's going on. Every, every day you all do this, and, and I appreciate it so much. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the Word to Life.